What's up, everybody? It's Jess, and welcome to Jess Wants to Know. It's still spring in New York, <laughs> and I hope everybody is having a wonderful day, weekend, week, wherever you are in your life cycle. Um, I'm really excited about this episode because I have my homeboy here with me, who is a phenomenal journalist, um, Kyle Harvey. Welcome to the show. Hey. Thank you, Jess Thorpe. Oh, shoot, do we use last names here? I mean, we can, you know. I'm a very transparent person, okay? Right, right, Jessica I Thorpe. just wants to know. Jessica Thorpe, thank you for having me over here for Jess Wants to Know. It's, it's really an honor. Oh, I'm so Death excited series. that you're here. We thank have you. a really cool, dope conversation, because I actually have a lot of questions, because um, I don't really know much about this topic. But before we get into that, I want you to tell the people a little bit about yourself. I mean, I know it all, but, you know. That's true. Um, so, everyone else who wants to know... Um, <laughs> And my name is Kyle Harvey, uh, originally from Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, geographically, if you want to, it's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes from Philly. So fly, Eagles, fly. We're better than everyone. Oh, Lord. Um, Beanie Siegel's better than everyone. Hail um, to the Redskins. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> playing traffic, playing traffic. But, uh, yeah, graduate of North Carolina A&T, Aggie Pride. Um, and then um, I've been in New York for about 10 years. Uh, I started off as a journalist and uh, basically creative in the, me- in the uh, media space. Started in politics, working at the Grio, transitioned to working in music as a music journalist, entertainer there, excuse me, editor there. <clears throat> transitioned to Bleacher Report, worked there for the homepage there, making sure that the headlines matched the, the actual player. Mm-hmm. You know, a big difference is saying uh, Russell Westbrook throws down another jam versus <laughs> Westbrook <laughs> baptizing another soul. You know, I was there for the latter. Um, dope. Co-founder of a startup, Slant News, for a little bit. That was dope. Work for millennials, how, did, how could they get paid for, you know, actually their content? Because mm-hmm. bags are important, even as mod, even as small as they are. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the team. And then um, transition, consulted for a little bit. And uh, now I'm the managing editor of the Shadow League, a uh, sports site that lives in between the, a, a sports site that lives between, excuse me, um, it is a sports site that talks from a black perspective, a cultural perspective about what's going on in, in the game. So I've been doing that for about a year. And I'm a host of my podcast called Points, Points on the Board. On the board. With Sorry. Kyle Harvey. With Kyle Harvey. Or Harvey <laughs> wins Twitter, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody, make sure you, you follow Kyle. He has a lot of dope content. He's done a lot of amazing things. We've known each other for years and years and years here in New York City. He's been out here. Been out here, out, out here. here. Gang, but, gang. but I find it interesting that you've gone, you've had such a cool career in, in journalism, from politics to music to sports. Why sports? What made you land on sports? I was born in it. I mean, my father, you know, not typical black man stuff, but, you know, my father was a three-sport athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom at Dell State, mm-hmm. HBCU kid. She ran track. Um, they had me. <laughs> and, but um, my first sport, you know, my father always, you know, you want to introduce sports, you know, to your kid. It wasn't like, you know, we're athletes, athletes, you know, there's balance. But, mm-hmm. you know, the one sport he told me I was going to play was baseball. Because mm-hmm. um, baseball, I was left-handed. I'm still left-handed. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> you're fundamentally better and is more appeasing if you're uh, not only a person of color, but if you're a lefty. Yeah. You know, you're only allowed to play certain positions, but being a pitcher specifically, it allows you to either be a starter, a closer, mm-hmm. but fundamentally you are have more value because there's obviously more right-handed people in the world so if you're throwing from the left side Mm -hmm. you know your ball spins differently Mm. so yeah I think baseball literally and I played other sports played football high all the way through high school but baseball is the one that took me down uh, North Carolina A&T so I mean sports for me is full circle you know that's actually the thing I'm more the most comfortable talking with everything else was easy 
in comparison. Yeah. See, now that that that's that's actually good to know because I have a lot of questions about sports because uh, I don't know Jack anything about sports. So kudos to you in the baseball and right. the sports you're, stuff. You're like the, the Deadskins. You're like the Deadskins. No, they're so, not yeah, called the Deadskins. Right. They're called the Redskins, and I'm from the DMV. It shouldn't be Shout a stereotype, out to the DMV. but it's fine. Right. Whatever. But anyway, so I want to have this conversation <laughs> because um, about a year ago, I was having an interesting conversation with my mentor, um, and this is when I was birthing um, my podcast, Just right. Wants to Know. He actually named it. Um, he actually named Just Wants to Know. Um, but one of the things we were talking about, it was March Madness. Right. We were at Julon, and we were watching the game. And he brought up something that was very interesting to me. He was like, you know, one of the things you could talk about is, like, the politics behind college sports. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He was like, think about it, Jess. This university made a billion dollars this year in sponsorship. How much do the players get paid? What, a free education using resources that the university already provides, which doesn't cost them much? He was like, you know, it'll be interesting to have a conversation about that. And you and I actually had this conversation as well. And I'm not going to lie, it's March Madness now, and I'm completely um, oblivious to college sports, right? Mm -hmm. And so because this is called Jess Wants to Know, I figure why not bring somebody on who can actually talk about this, right? Because there's a lot of controversy um, behind college sports on the back end politically. However, it's glorified from a consumer lens in such a major way, and people really buy into college sports. And, you know, because a lot of us went to college, so we have a love and affinity for our university, and we're going to support um, those universities and their athletics for years and years to come. So I kind of want to dig in this into this a little bit with you, because I know this is your bread and butter, your passion, all of that stuff, and what you write about. So let's kind of start from just kind of the, the basics of the issue. The main issue with college sports when we talk about the politics and the money. Simply this. You know, um, I went to North Carolina A&T, mm-hmm. Greensboro, North Carolina, about an hour and a half away from uh, Raleigh-Durham. Mm-hmm. Bull City's part of that. That's Durham. Raleigh. Rough Raleigh capital. Mm-hmm. Raleigh. For, for, the, for, the ones that are, for the ones that are affiliated. <laughs> we got Dominique over here uh, dancing. I don't know what that Shout out to Dominique. <laughs> <laughs> Donaldson is John. Yeah. But uh, 919 910. The thing is about there, there's two colleges that are there that are pretty prominent. You can't talk about Duke or Chapel Hill and right. not talk about college sports. You right. know, alma mater, you know, from Jordan to Grand Hill to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whoever you name it, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Vince Carter, mm-hmm. and people that are, you know, household names when it comes to, you know, the sport. And I'm focusing on basketball right now, but this can be translated to football, yeah. D1 sports. Yeah. You know, these universities, NCAA, what would you call someone who is only paid in free meals, mm-hmm. um, housing, mm-hmm. uh, your education, but you're trying to go to the league, mm-hmm. and everyone else around them is benefiting off your physicality? I would call that a slave. An indentured servant, maybe. Mm, slave. Slave. They're not being paid a dollar. Right. Not shit. Mm-mm. And anytime there is someone that wants to pay them underneath the table, they get violated or they're taxed or they get kicked off a team. Mm. Um, NCAA, in my opinion, is modern day slavery. And mm. I feel like we do appreciate, again, our sports and we appreciate competition. Mm-hmm. And we check out when it comes around March Madness or the college football playoffs, naturally. Mm-hmm. I've been guilty of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really tough to watch it now, more so, because stories like, let's say, Zion Williamson, who was the uh, premier player. This nigga's basically, um, has LeBron James' athleticism, but he had, he's baby Shaq. Mm. That shit is scary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he's the premier player, him and R.J. Barrett, who's the other dude in the bat, and um, probably number one and number two, possibly going into the draft. Right. You know, um, 
but we Zion's and Williamson specifically, you know, CBS wanted to go ahead and give him a, hey, we're going to debut a Zion cam. So you get the chance to see from his perspective what it looks like to bang. I mean, this kid's been, you know, knocking down or more importantly, um, been banging because, you know, things go viral because social media has definitely raised the profile mm -hmm. of some of these players. Like I've been seeing Zion Williams, you know, you know, bang on people younger than him for going on four years mm -hmm. before he got to the league or wow. before he got to D1 sports. Right. So I think it's, it's a little bit more the conversations have been elevated because of social media, in my opinion, because you got creatives, you got sports folk, you got journalists, and yeah. it's just really obvious that, you know, there is a dis there is a, a disconnect. Mm -hmm. Why is there a disconnect? Because it is a model that benefits the NCAA. Mm -hmm. It's simply that. And I feel like, you know, we have to get to a point right now where we have to have those honest conversations. Yeah. Um, maybe athletes should be compensated because what would that do? Because in the football realm, Terrell Pryor, he was a Ohio State, a hybrid quarterback, about um, maybe 10, damn, it's almost 10 years now, but mm -hmm. 10 years ago. You know, he got into some trouble because he was selling. He literally sold his rings when he won the conference title. Wow. Because for food or maybe for tattoos, whatever. But the point is, if he's selling his nailia to mm. go and be properly fed, that's mm. wild. You know, Alabama coach, uh, Nick Saban. Everyone gives Nick Saban love. And I think that's cool. You know, great coach, blah, blah, blah. But why are you the highest paid employee mm. in the government of Alabama? The coach mm. of a football team. You bring in revenue, cool, but... Nick Saban ain't that dope. Right. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be. That's a that's a balance thing there. Mm -hmm. And for all these players, you know, I feel like even if you get drafted D1 or you may have a partial scholarship, mm -hmm. you know, it should be a, a supplemental stipend or something where they're allowed to go ahead and, you know, profit off these families. Guess what? A majority of these folk, they look like you and I. Yeah. You know, and the optics look trash. Yeah. And so let's just say, for instance, if you were a D1 player and you were supposed to get equivalent of full scholarship, why don't you get 40K? Yeah. 40K would go ahead and go really good for that family that's over on the poverty line or yeah. has to deal with, doesn't even check to check. You, you know? know what? You make a you bring up a good point because that's the thing we forget. We forget when we're watching these games and, and we're looking at these kids because they're kids. They're teenagers. You know, 18, 19, that's still teen, 20. Yeah. Um, and, and we're glorifying their physical ability and we're cheering them on and we want to see them do well, but we forget they're still human people. We don't know what their family circumstance is. We don't know what their life circumstances. There are people who I'm sure who are from broken homes, who are from impoverished communities, and they're going to school, and they're, you know, which is great. Getting an education is phenomenal. I, I think everybody should get a college education. They're going for free, but that doesn't cost the university much if you think about how much they're making off of the backs of these kids. But when you think about the humanity behind it all, and you are literally profiting from these kids physical labor mm -hmm. and not caring enough to give them money to support their family. I have a huge problem with that. Um, Take it well, one step further. Mm -hmm. What's it like for a coach? Let's just say, as an example, you know, Mick Saban, because we're on Saban. Mm -hmm. What does it look like you going to the trap or wherever it is in Alabama to, rec to recruit? Mm. You know, hey, I want to take care of your son for four years, maybe five, because if he wants to get redshirted, five years, no bags. I want to take care of him and make sure that he's the better better man. Let's just say, you know, he's trying to go to the league. That knee blows out. I think more so now the conversation is, yo, there is a system in place, and how does one live with themselves? Because mm. I think we're getting these perspectives and people that have, you know, open candidly because it's really corrupt. That's what LeBron and uh, even Jamel Hill, they did with their, uh, excuse me, I got it confused. No, actually, yeah. Jamel Hill and LeBron, 
their uh, collaborative uh, doc or sh- or uh, their production called Shut Up and Dribble, mm. exposing, mm-hmm. you know, these hypocrisies. Yeah. You know, because if LeBron wanted to go to college, would that have been a wasted year? Because I know he probably would play for Duke, yeah. probably with Chapel Hill, because that's like the Harvard mm-hmm. uh, basketball. That mm-hmm. in Chapel Hill, they're like one and two. Mm-hmm. So I think now we're just we're just being honest and candid about it because it also brings up other conversations, mm-hmm. right? What if, and the NBA understands it too now, the yeah. NBA has also introduced the NBA G League, which is basically their minor leagues and their feeder league to get into the and to get into the pros, the pros are the, yeah. and they're getting a bag for that. You and, know, and so I, what would I do I if I'm trying that. to go to the league? Yeah, you know, yeah, you may skip out on college, and I think that's a very, very sad thing because of financial reasons and whatever have you. Right. Um, so, what could be a potential solution to this beyond just paying the players? And, and first of all, before I ask that question, I'm going to go back to your question: yeah. Is what does it look like when Nick? Saban. Saban goes to the hood to recruit or to look at talent. It looks like an auction to me mm. because you are auditioning essentially to be a slave to a university that's going to make a billion dollars and you make nothing. And the thing is, is that what about the players who don't make it to the league? What happens to them in their lives? Well, I mean, that's where you have to go ahead and have a hard conversation with yourself. I mean, I could show you my shoulder injury when I was trying to go play baseball. Yeah. I'm, I'm a proudly washed athlete. I'll be very clear on that. Not like, a I'm, proudly like, washed oh, no. athlete. Hell yeah, I'm very proud <laughs> because I understood. Like literally, like I literally could show you. Oh my goodness, <laughs> the scar, like where the shit came off the shoulder. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ow. You know, but the thing was A and T, and this is probably where the conversation happens. You know, um, A and T, where I was at, I knew going in, my goals were I want to play football, I want to play baseball in the South. Yeah. You know, because it's more competitive, and I wanted the HBCU experience. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a convoluted issue, but for me, it's just like I always look back at the fact of like, hell, if certain black colleges or just HBCUs in general, speaking in broad strokes here, mm-hmm. were able to go ahead and pay players to mm-hmm. go to their school, like buck the system, get NCAA. What if we just literally got away from the NCAA, not even a part of the organization? But mm-hmm. hey, if you come here, mm-hmm. we're going to give you a stipend. So we're going to give you 20 G's yeah, just to play for us. You know how many families that would need that 20 G's to go back home? And we'll give you free housing and all that stuff. I think you have to play. I think we have to look at, and there's been studies on it. Vice Sports did a, a, a story on it a few years ago about what would it take to not only re-inject HBCUs into the basketball conversation, mm-hmm. but also to um, make it profitable. Mm-hmm. You know, small investors to go ahead and go into their kids and whatnot too. But, you know. That's very radical right now. Mm-hmm. But, hell, who knows? What if LeBron or someone who really had billions of racks decided to fundamentally say, hey, look, I want to go ahead and literally invest in the – instead of Chapel Hill because that's Jordan. Yeah. What if I invested in the A&T? What yeah. if I invested in the Central? Yeah. What if I invested in some of these schools that fundamentally – if I took the top five draft picks mm-hmm. or the people that you know ranked in the country were like, hey, I want to go to Howard to play. Mm-hmm. That would be a shift, yeah. and it has to be a constant shift in my opinion. So shout out to HU. Sorry, oh, I have to say it. Anytime, anytime no. somebody in here says Howard, I'm like, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say the real HU. But listen, well, I, don't I, saying, I don't have to debate this. You know, I like, heard a few podcasts. All right, I heard your podcast. I, I heard you brought some Howard this. niggas in here. You have some Howard niggas in here. <laughs> like it's probably disgusting because that's how me and Aggies get down. You know, we we're very no, proud. there were Clark Atlanta people in here, and why? I had to defend why HU. <sighs> but why was Clark? Not mine. You know what? <laughs> Let me stop. Let's they're see. my friends. Yeah, they're cool. It's cool. You know? <laughs> 
it's fine sure yeah. um but no to your point though i mean it's a, it's a it's a it's a simple it's a simple solution but it's a matter of taking the steps you know because we would have to really turn our backs on a lot of basketball lore because still mm-hmm. even to this day you know it's a two trains of thought right sometimes you got to play in the system to go ahead and make actual change yeah let's let's say if zion williamson actually said yo fuck this camera that you're putting on me right now where's my bag yeah because you know, cbs is making a ton of money off that camera buku money like Crazy. And, he's, and he's over making money off he's over here getting paid in air mm. so it's just like what does it look like and it sucks because let's just say he probably is if he is getting a handoff or something from a donor on the side he might get cash out or something you know, if the NCAA or someone wants to go ahead and be like, whoa, where did this money come from? Mm-mm, we got a tax Zion. Fuck you. That's just I'm, crazy to me. I'm curious about something. So all of these policies about players cannot accept money or gifts from um, university coaches or universities to play on their team. Is that like an actual, like, federal law or is this just a policy by the NCAA? Well, it's a good question. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of things come from the NCAA. People know, don't need some people really need to up their history of like the NCAA. Yeah. You know, because it's not like a government or something that's like a politic thing, like right. something that's involved with like the state government. It's literally just a body of people that have like the base, the best colleges playing against each other. So they literally can run carte blanche. It's kind of wild, like, because even I never understood how, let's just be honest with ourselves, right? Because these kids aren't going to college. Even when I was at A&T, you know, balancing my schedule, and I'm someone who walked on, someone who was a preferred walk-on who had to go ahead and beg for a bag, right? Mm-hmm. They still had people that were tutors that were helping you, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. You know what I mean? And that's okay because I know they were doing it at Chapel Hill yeah. for a fact. Yeah. You know, so it's it's weird because if you're doing all this to make it seem like they're getting their academic scholarship, hell no, go ahead and really make these players actual players. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we'd be, we should be a lot more candid and be honest about why these kids are going to school. There was a mm. there was an NCAA commercial that just premiered. It was like the life of a student athlete, a day in the life, and it went viral for all the wrong reasons. Because people that are in the professional sports or you know in the NFL and league, like that's bullshit. This kid's getting like a full night's of sleep. He's over here working in the library. He's going, fuck no. Are you serious? <laughs> like I was falling asleep in class. I fell asleep in class one time with my whole arm wrapped in ice for throwing a game, and wow. I still failed because I couldn't make it for the internship. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And even in that context, it's wild because people don't understand. Like, it's literally impossible. You have to be, like, a damn near super saiyan to go ahead and literally have that much time, mm. more than 24 hours to go ahead, and especially if you're a travel. Because mm. most of most of HBC, excuse me, during the weekends is the best time to travel. Most, most teams, whether it be football or baseball or basketball, they'll leave on a certain day, like a Thursday, to go ahead and travel on the weekends to go ahead and go ahead and compete to someone in their division. Some people's divisions could be anywhere. If you're in the MEAC, you know, you could talk, you could play a team in Delaware, mm. Dell State, all the way down to FAMU. Wow. And then you're trying to tell me I'll come back on a Sunday evening or a Sunday mo- or a Monday yeah. morning and then be at 8 a.m. in the class. Mm. Let's be honest with our players. So yeah. we're not properly educating our players. Is that what you're saying? I think we're not being, I think institutions are not being honest with who they're educating, mm. you know, and more importantly, why are they there? Right. And I think that's the thing that kills me because, you know, you would you would get a lot more, you would get a lot more, if people knew that they were coming here to play a sport like a job, because mm-hmm. that's what it is. You weren't you two jobs, student athlete. That's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. You know, like I wouldn't wish that on. Like it's different than being like SUAB or student government or something. Like you're not leaving anywhere. You're going literally over state lines, coming back, maybe having some food or whatever. Then you yeah. literally that's part of the grind. You and own you're that. Practice. You're you're exercising like a lot yeah. of time. And then you have class. And you got class. And then you expect me to go ahead and then hold me accountable. 
You know, it's a lot. You know, it was interesting. <clears throat> I remember my first year at the illustrious Howard University. Wow. <laughs> Howard University. Jesus Christ. Let me just say it one time for the people, just to make sure that you, you know. Yo, your team it. in football, just because you said it, fucking sucks. Howard University. <laughs> we have a phenomenal academic record, okay? There you go. So I when do. You, <laughs> yes. You know, we can talk about because, listen, I've, I've been having this, I, I think it's not, a, it's, a, it's a cold war between A&T and Howard when it comes to homecomings. So funny. It's a cold war because yeah. we both like going to each other's, but no one will ever say which one's the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I never went to, I didn't go to Howard for for sports. I went to Howard because I'm a third generation Howard graduate. That's literally every Howard person says when their sports suck. I hear you though. No, my grandfather is the second physics PhD to ever graduate Howard. No, I hear you, but it's still at the end of the day. It's like when we talk about and I'm a woman, I mean I'm not that okay, not that females are not in sports. Let me take that back because that women. sounded really women. Let women in okay, let me take that back because that sounded really bad. We're on the rose, guys, as you guys know. We are drinking rose as we do every episode. So I'm a little bit tongue tied at the moment. But let me just say It's this. Lent for me. I did not go to Howard for sports. I went to carrying on my family's legacy Got it. at Howard University, and my child will end up going to Howard, whether they like it or not. Okay. Um, but I remember my first semester of Howard. I took mm -hmm. a criminal justice class. Criminal justice! You know, I don't know why I took that class. I just took it as an elective. And um, I remember there were a ton of football players in that class. Well, yeah. Shout out to my psych class. I was like, <laughs> well, psych, I didn't even go. I, I took psych only went to class the first day and the last day. Listen. It sucks. It's so bad. Quick story. Shout out to um, uh, DeShields. Shout out to Mrs. DeShields, who was over at uh, uh, A&T. She was uh, one of the only few people. Like, it was weird. We had a weird, like, weird synergy because I didn't know that not only was she from Delaware, because mm -hmm. I, I Carolina at times can be country. You what do you mean, mean at times? Well, no, because Southern, <laughs> no. Southern, Southern is one thing. Southern is one thing. Southern is one thing. They're Southern. The majority of them are Southern, yeah, but country. What part of North Carolina are you talking about? Well, that's any part of DMV, There's too, country. though. There's some part of DMV like that, too, though. Yeah, that, well, the, the St. Mary's County could be country. Right. But hear me out. The reason why is there was this woman, her name was her name was pronounced DeShales down uh -huh. there. But I run up on her, and, this, you know, my boy, my, one of my best friends, shout out to Cyril Daniel. We're in a class, and... uh you know, he asked her a question, yo, because people were saying DeShales. I never heard someone say DeShales. And he was like, oh, it's actually DeShields. And oh. I was like, that's when I pick up. Because this was a class that you had to take if you were an athlete. For some strange reason, it was an easy elective. So you got these football players couldn't read, but they're out here literally just going to sleep, whatever. But, I'm, you know, I'm engaged. You know, obviously I'm talking to you, so I'm not, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm a lively guy. So, But that woke me up in the class. And then she was like, my name's DeShields. And I'm like, yo, where are you from? She's like, I'm from Delaware. And I'm like... Was your mother a first grade teacher? Her mother was my first grade Crazy. elementary teacher. Right? Crazy. And, and then what she said after was the thing that was kind of like full circle. She was like, yo, I'm sorry about your mother. Oh. And that was wild because, like, you know, my mother passed away. I know. And then, but the wild part about it, though, was like for her to even no. know that off my name. Full mm -hmm. circle. Delaware's small, but, I mean, just even that, that camaraderie, even mm -hmm. at HBCU to have that, that shit was like a full circle moment. But yeah. I just remember the way she she understood there was a lot of athletes in her class. Mm. And she wanted to make sure that um, not only did they pass, but she understood what it was. Their goal here is to make sure that they going to get the credit they needed to go play and compete. See, that's where, that's that's the culture I'm talking about that I have an issue with within the university. By the way, it's not advanced like psychology. We're talking like no, I know. entry. You're going to learn. Know. Don't get me wrong. No, but. I know. I, re I just remember when I take it back to my first semester as a 17-year-old at Howard University. Right. And I'm in a class with upperclassmen football players. I was there to learn. 
because I was actually interested in criminal justice. Right. But these guys were like goofing off, except for with the exception of one. There well, was... we don't win, of course. You you got to goof off. Okay. Well, that year we did pretty well. Okay. What was that seven and nine? It was two thousand and two. <laughs> no, no, that was the record seven and nine. Oh really? Yeah, that's what I meant. Oh damn. Well. I love y'all, my issue football players. Y'all my friends. Um, but I remember there was literally only one student um, who was, like, actually focused. Um, and actually, we became really, really great friends. But, you know, I was very, like, you know, new green to yeah. life as a 17-year-old. And I'm like, why are these football players in here, like, goofing off? Like, this is, like, a real class. And they all passed. And so I want to get into this a little bit. Because this okay. is the culture of student-athletes on college campuses, you hit the nail on the head where you said that the professors understand that they just need the credit. Some do. Some do, but, I, 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 but even the some I have an issue with because the reality is not every athlete at this university is going to make it to the, the pros. A very small percentage actually make it to the pros. So where is the responsibility on the university to invest in these players as actual people and students? I think you're looking more of a symptom versus the actual disease. Okay. The disease, it starts from the top, NCAA. Mm. You know, like, that's the problem. Okay. Everything else is a byproduct of it. You know, like, I can't get mad at an athlete. If, if I get a full ride to just go hoop or whatever it is, I can't get mad at you for taking that. You know, um, but it's up to the coach or whatever the system is placed. You know, again, it's having an honest conversation. Why are you here? Mm. You know, like, I think people would be really more candid or honest with themselves if they realize, you know, I'm here for academics like you yeah. versus someone who I'm wearing it to go ahead and, pro, you know, to raise the prominence of the team. I would rather have all my athletes literally get bags and literally work out and go ahead and be the best they can be versus them balancing it out, then half-assing it, and then may not either fail or they don't go to the league. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. We have to be, have a candid conversation about So you that. don't think that the education piece of it is just as important as them getting the bag? Because I see it bo- as both of them being very critical um, things for people. Because you, you're thinking, of, there's a lot of people of color who are in this category of student-athletes. Right. In order for them to advance, I think advancement goes beyond just financial. I think it's mental. Right. You know, I think it's educational. Maybe it's a balanced thing. Maybe I it's, think it's a balanced thing. Well, maybe it's like this. Instead of being 50-50, maybe ac- athletically, I could... At my athletics will always take prominent before. So let's just say 70-30, you know, maybe it's that. Because I understand fundamentally, you know, there are people I know for a fact, people I grew up with in college, you know, they thought they were going to the league, but nope, you know what happened? Especially in baseball. I was in five weddings before I graduated from college. Jesus. And they all they were all pitchers. So thankfully I, pit, I, made, I got away from that. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? but I was in five weddings or attended or it was a part of five weddings because they realized they either – we're not going to get drafted, so they settled down. Mm. And that's sad because that means you didn't invest, you know, in why you were there. Right. So it's a choice, you know. So whether you make that choice yourself, the university is going to make it for you. Yeah. So how do we change that culturally across universities? Does it have to start with the NCAA to put a greater emphasis on education <coughs> and paying these players um, kind of, you know, for their uh, – the work that they're putting into their, like, what is the solution here? Because I, I just feel that, you know, again, I'm not very well versed on the topic. I of... think the NBA, the NBA specifically, when they introduced the G mm. League, as in providing them alternatives, so they can still get the, they can still get the the skills to get them ready to play in the pros. Okay, that's the best alternative because there's a monetary there's a monetary incentive to it. And the G League is during college or after college? It would be parallel so as soon as you get out of high school it's right there okay and you can go to college and play in the g league no you go to the g league and then you go to the nba Mm. 
So there's not even a you're separating church from state versus wow. hey, let's go play for Coach K for a year and then think of fuck you. What are you talking about? Wow. <laughs> like just do it. Interesting. Yeah, and mind you, this is an evolved point of view that has happened over the course of like three or four years because mm-hmm. you know I've you know I, I've been in that space and I've seen my friends or colleagues or people like that, you know. But like, look, let's be candid. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that people don't understand. Like, because heaven forbid, little what if LeBron went to do for one year and he blew out his knee? Because mm. that's what they were. Because if you realize, I don't know if you were aware, but when Zion Williamson literally. This man is a super freak athlete, and it happens all the time, right? You can you can bust an ankle, or this man literally is so broad, like this dude literally ripped a shoe, and people were like, "Oh my god! I remember. Oh my god! Oh my god! The bags! I don't know what's gonna fuck you. Are you serious? Let that man cook." And more importantly, the fact that happens is like the fact that Paul's a breath that everyone sponsors his draft status goes down. Are you crazy? You put all that pressure on an eighteen year old, and they got to go to class. What? Come on, man. Like, that's not fair to the kid. You know? Like, so I guess that's my thing now. Like, if you're going to be in the system, be in the system. But create the system for the player. Mm. You know? like Let's talk about this G League, though. Because this is very interesting. Because, again, I don't think 100% of people who enter the G League. When did the G League launch? I mean, they started talking about this for the past year. It's been it's been relatively new. So relatively th- is new. it is it active? It's um It'll be active probably within the next year. Okay, let's talk about this. Because I think this is something that's very important. Okay, so you're telling a high schooler. Mm-hmm. You can bypass and and listen. I the the question about whether whether or not college is um, necessary for people or not. That's something I don't even want to get into. I'm very about education. I mean, it's because like right. you know my right. grandfather. You know this right, is right. you know as a people of color, we need that because we were deprived we of that for how yeah, many but, years? But think of it like this, though. I mean, like you can always get your education. That's the thing. Colleges aren't going anywhere. Right. But you being your prime, me being able to hit my 40 vertical, me being able to hit my dash, Mm -hmm. that ain't. Right. You know, so what are you going to do? Maximize your opportunities when they are. Because, listen, case in point, Shaq, we interviewed Shaq not too long ago in the Shadow League. You know, we're talking to him about bags and whatnot, too. You know, he made it a priority to go back to school. Mm. But he got his money. Let's be clear. Like, the education is never – Shaq got a doctorate. (laughs) Like, you know, and he actually walked But did he get it from University of Phoenix? Am I no, bugging? You didn't. I think you okay. might be. You might bullshit. Yeah. It's fine. It's cool. You threw that out there. It's cool. You cold as ice. I don't know. I feel like it's Howard he didn't. Let me be very clear. Swear. Jess is like one of the one out of like maybe ten Howard people I really bang with. Hey, that's pretty strong average. You know what I mean? I'm ten percent. <laughs> but um, no, no, no. It's but think of it like that. Like education ain't going nowhere. But the knees right. and that explosive, that forty time ain't. Mm. You know. So why don't we not? Why don't we not honor that and just you know be have an honest conversation? Go get your bag, but go back to school if you want. If you want, but go get the money. Go get the money. Please get the money, my G. Please get the money. But here's the thing. Now, this is where I play a little bit of a de- devil's advocate. And again, I don't even know if I could play devil's advocate from this lens because I don't, I'm not sure that universities are doing the best job of educating these men, even if they're not taking it seriously, but encouraging that in a, in a very meaningful way. Because a lot of these athletes, they make all this money and they blow all their money. We talked about this yesterday with Chase. Mm-hmm. They blow their money. They don't. They don't know how to manage their money. Some of them are not even educated enough to know how to freaking add and subtract. You know, and like money to understand. Like you cannot go to the club and blow forty thousand dollars if you only bring it in a hundred thousand dollars over the year. Yes, this is a culture thing, though. Come on. But now. see, I understand it's a culture thing. However, I think there needs to be a level of education. So here's maybe so that there's we're a business though. Them. But this is a business though. We got to right? protect them from themselves. I agree. I agree. But... Because now they're cattle. 
They've been cattle. I know they've been cattle. Actually, but more chattel. They've been chattel, not cattle. What's chattel? Chattel's what put us in chains. Oh shit. We gotta ha- we gotta hashtag that one chattel. Amen. But that's the thing. <laughs> this is where when I think about the culture of college sports, because that's the beginning. A lot of the athletes that go to the league are in college. So the fact that they go into the league and they come out without a like let's say they get injured or they're just, you know, like in the situation with the interview yesterday, cut in four years, what do you do? A lot of people still don't know what to do. But you have a freaking college education and you don't know what to do. Well, a few nuances there. <clears throat> the football doesn't really have non doesn't have guaranteed contracts. Okay. You know, so just like you got Chase, you know, unfortunately Shout he, out to Chase. Shout out to Chase Minnesota. Who's doing amazing things. He's a serial entrepreneur, Forbes thirty under thirty, my client. That was strong. <laughs> I'm going to promote him, okay, to strong. the end. <laughs> but even that being said, though, where did where did he go? UVA. He did. He went for the academic place. You can't go there and be a dummy and go to UVA. He told you that, you know, shout out to the Shadow League. That's what he said. Yeah. But I think the one thing, again, is about honesty here. Like, just you can literally get, I think there needs a business here if people, men of color or people of color, because it could be black girls, whatever. You know, we just need to understand our finance and our bags. There's courses that's taught. We need accountants, you know, but I don't really, I think they're two separate issues. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's For me, it's just like these are simple fixes, not versus, versus like, yo, just don't fuck with the NCAA. Go to the G League. If you want to be, you want to get this generational wealth money, the thing that's going to take your family from them paycheck to paycheck, you know, every brother wants to go buy their house with their mom. Mm. You know, go do it. And then more importantly, reinvest. And then more importantly, go ahead and get your education if you feel you need it. So I don't know. I, I think right now we're we're just we're, we're understanding that the system is flawed. Yeah. And now we're going ahead and we're candidly speaking about it. like there's productions about it. So yeah. you know, LeBron, if Bron is out here telling you, yo, this shit is trash, if Rich Hill's telling you this shit is trash, if Jamel Hill's telling you this shit is trash. Yeah. You know, you gotta listen to that. But here's the thing. This is where I am in complete and utter shock. Like, do you look at Kobe differently because he didn't go to college? No. What has he done? He's got an Oscar. Well, and, shout out to my old job, Verizon, because he got his Oscar through Go90, the series that... Go, okay, so, so, anyway. So I'm saying, but is that man not smart? Is that man not smart or pragmatic? Here's the thing. I, I, don't, I don't know. You got to understand, these people have teams, too. Let's be clear. You That's know? true, too. And, and I know the team of people who PR'd him into an Oscar. There's a whole strategy that has to be put in place for things to get Oscars, and I had a whole presentation on that. So did Kobe get himself an Oscar? Absolutely not. The team around him and Rogers and Cohen, shout out to Rogers and Cohen, PR'd him into an Oscar. But the, last time I checked, there. basketball's a team sport. Basketball's <laughs> a team sport, but it ain't getting you no Oscars, though. Yeah, but he got the rings. And more importantly, it allows him to take that skill set to go ahead and realize if I don't have this thing about being an athlete, I think people don't give enough credit for. You know, you're very athletes deal, and I told you this when you heard me say it, and I truly believe it, athletes deal in delayed gratification and they don't deal with instant satisfaction. Because if you if you're an athlete, like, let's just say you play baseball. If you can literally go into the Hall of Fame in baseball if you hit over 300, mm-hmm. which means out of one out of one out of, let's say you have three at bats, you have three times to go to the bat or, you know, in a game. As long as you're able to do that one, you're able to hit the ball and play one time for the rest of your career, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the way I see it is. Athletes have the ability to understand it. I think athletes still don't get enough credit for the ability to go ahead and realize they fail to succeed. So I'm really very much aware of my weaknesses. 
And I'm pretty sure Kobe understands that, hey, if I ain't got it, I at least got the funds and the ends going to bring someone on my team to go ahead and supplement that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is Kobe's Oscar because he brought them people in and he understood. Or did the people pitch him on the con- Okay, it's different. See, I'm, see, y'all want to get me into some corporate <laughs> talk but, right now. Yeah, but regardless, so that's so pragmatic. That's so pragmatic not I understand mean, he my made bag, a good decision, you know? or his team made a good decision to move forward with the animated piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I think off that, his story. Off his story, right. yes. He provided the story, he the narrative for the them narrative. to get the Oscar. So that's yes, his Oscar. Yes, he didn't Oscar. write it. You he know? ain't got to write it. He's, he he's, he's said, the focal hey, point. He's the focal point of a narrative. However, you know, he's one of how many. You know, I think... I don't know many black. I don't know many any dudes in the NBA to have Oscars. No, they don't. But that's what I'm saying. So you have Kobe, but then when you say, "Well, he's smart," even though he didn't go to college, it's not. It's not about a smart or dumb thing. But you have to look at everybody else who who are not benefiting or who are not a Kobe who don't have hundreds of millions of dollars to support their family. Because you have a lot of athletes that kind of go into the leagues and come out of the leagues and they have nothing. And that's and the thing is, it's like a lot of them went to college and they have nothing. So my issue is when we go. Back to this whole NCAA conversation, university, culture, politics conversation. You know, my thing is, how? what is the solution? And I don't know if the G League is the actual solution because then we're, like, telling people don't go to college, just fast-track your way to the NBA. I don't think that's it. You don't think it's it? Absolutely not because, I mean, if— So is the G League the solution to the NCAA kind of raping? Alternative. It's an alternative. It's an alternative. But it's what alternative. is the solution? What What is the accountability that we as consumers— because you got to remember this. The NCAA is making money because we as consumers are going to the games. We're watching the games on television. True. We are the ones that are funding this— Slave culture of sports. It's us. It's an honest conversation you need to have. Like, kind of like. What do we do? You want to take, I mean, it's just like, look, Kaepernick took a knee when my team won the Super Bowl. (laughs) So, best believe I was watching when the Eagles won. And I'm fucked up for that. Cool. I understand. But imagine how everyone else feels. And I'm I'm as woke as you can be. Mm -hmm. Like that dance. So everyone needs to make an honest conversation, have that conversation, and it needs to be a viable opportunity. So whether it be the G League, whether it be another league that allows people to go ahead literally, if you want to just get money or, more importantly, play just the sport that you love without worrying about balancing the academics, something that could hold you back from not even playing on the team, Mm. do it. You know? But let's say there are those who really do want to go to college and, and, and want to play at Duke. Shout mm-hmm. out to Duke. My dad is from Durham, North Carolina, and he loves Duke. So if I don't shout out Duke, it's going to be a problem. Or that Bull City? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know your dad's from Durham. My, yeah, my family's from Durham. Oh, see. I'm okay. a North Carolina folk. It always comes back to Carolina. I feel like that's the um the one thing I've always... It's one thing that there's phrases that are true. It's like Carolina Connect. Like, it's really... It's there. It always comes back to Carolina. It's weird, but it's yeah. true. It's so true. Durham, North Carolina roots, and I have New York roots. I have Louisiana roots. I have a lot of roots in me. Right. Um, but here's the thing. So let's say, let's talk about the, the kids who do want a college education. And go. And they want to go to college, <laughs> and they want to play sports and then go to the league, but they really believe in their education. Yet they're still basically being enslaved by the NCAA league. What's the solution for them? Because the thing is, it's like we need to put pressure on the NCAA to compensate these kids for the money that they're making them pay them as an organization. Right, but we could say pay them, but they're like, well, we're making billions of dollars off of you people watching this. We then have all the network then... deals. We have all this. What, what, what can we do as consumers to not only elevate this narrative but put actual pressure on the NCAA to change the system? Well, let's be clear. Let's just say in the, in the concept of March Madness. Mm-hmm. No one's watching all the games unless you went to the school. Yeah. You know, you're not. You're probably not as vested as you would be unless you're like right. a true basketball head, which shout out to you if you are. But 
once that that March Madness comes, we all tune in for the next you know three or three or four weeks. Mm. Don't watch it. Like we did with the NFL. Yeah, like. <laughs> but nobody's really. I mean, I have not. Okay, so when when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, everybody tuned in. Yep. And this has been a conversation on the tip of everybody's tongue. And to be clear, the NBA and the NFL, ever since Kaepernick did it, has been losing viewership. I'll yes. be very clear on that. But who is going to whistleblow this in a meaningful... Like, what is it going to take? Because that knee, taking a knee, that was like major. That was like headline news. And it was like a, became a movement. And now, you know, changes, I guess, slowly start, starting to happen. Um, but like... To be honest, I haven't really heard this conversation much. Mm. As a general consumer who's not invested in college sports, I haven't heard it at all, actually. Right. And so my thing is, what needs to happen to elevate this narrative for the general consumer to want to take action? Because I haven't... Well, here's something, the thing. I feel like something drastic needs to happen. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, Shout out to David Wilson. I'm about to say some shit that he told me, which is really cool, actually. If you ever want to know about the story, if you want to know about the best way to tell the story is through a person and their experiences. I would look at Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson right now is a lightning rod when it comes to, because um, he's probably going to go either number one or two or three in the draft because of his skill set and what he is. And you hear him talk, very intelligent brother. Like he's, he's locked in. You can't like say what you want about Duke and, you know, the type of brother that it goes there. Those dudes are intelligent they're very self-aware well you have to be yeah sure but yeah you do <laughs> sure, sure. i'm so sorry i'm so aggy this is so funny to me dog. oh my god but you know um regardless though that's my point like you have to be you self-aware mm-hmm. who's big homie to him probably you know braun is over here in his ear right now what's going to happen when it gets to the league you mm-hmm. know what i mean like he has to if you say yo do not go to duke because it's corrupt or mm-hmm. blah 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 you know it has to be someone who's in the league and has to take advantage of that moment. But I think Zion specifically, especially in the social media era, because of his talent, it shows the hypocrisy and shows the the follow-through of why the NCAA is trash. Like, the Zion cam. Like, CBS wants to put this black man, this young boy, a camera on him. And not, so pay, you can, him. And not pay him? That's just getting, fucked up. They're getting so much... Let me tell you. So, for people who don't really understand how media works and how they're generating income is through advertisers, right? So think about this. They're probably... CBS put that cam on him because they know that you'll get more companies to advertise with you because your viewership will go up. Getting a kind of first-hand point of view of the game experience from this kid is going to make people tune in. The more people you have tune in, the more money that you get from these companies like the company I worked for, Verizon, you know, and others. You know, so now the networks are making all the money, millions and millions of dollars for him wearing this body cam, and him wearing the body cam is a selling point to these um, these buyers. And so then you have this kid who is playing basketball, working his tail off, dribbling, sweating, making shots, all that pressure for him to go to the league and all of that stuff. He still has school. He's not getting paid a penny, but CBS is getting paid millions and millions of dollars because you have companies paying advertising dollars to air their commercials during the commercial break during this, whether it's online, on television, or whatever. So that's kind of the cycle of how media makes money and why, you know, I'm a little bit frustrated with this. Because when I think about him, Zion, 
and his family. I have no idea where his family's from. Mm -hmm. They could be an impoverished family. When he goes home, he's still going home to that. Yet CBS has made millions of dollars off of him wearing a cam. Where is the justice here? This is not right. And and I, I and the more that we're having this conversation, the more frustrated I'm getting with the the politics of it all and the culture of it all, because everybody's benefiting but the kids, the black boys who are dribbling balls and taking hits on the football field. They're not profiting off of their work, and this takes us back to slavery, to indentured servitude. This the literally, um, <clears throat> damn, I'm about to really mess up my man's name, but because he's passed away, I think it's. I don't want to disrespect him. Ralph Emerson, I believe it's him. I forget, but I have to double check. He had a book called The Forty Million Dollar Slave. Mm-hmm. Literally talking about NCAA. Mm. You know, um, I don't think people read. <laughs> and frankly, we're not in positions of power to go ahead and fundamentally influence where it is. You know, black folk need to provide an alternative. So, you know, there's a lot of millionaires that look like you and I that yeah. are young that have played in that system that can provide alternatives. Mm-hmm. Alternatives. I think it, there is not one catch-all. You. Sh- need to understand if you're going to the league and let's think basketball specifically right? basketball you know, specifically. we're talking about March Madness right. March capital Madness. M capital A capital D there's about 11 or 12 players they on mad. each team there's, I'm mad right, right. <laughs> but, there's, but there's about 11, 11 or 12 players on each team right? right you know but the way the NCAA is set up you can leave college after one year so therefore there's a sweepstakes to getting the best players in the country for one year until they change the rules back so you have to leave after two years but one year mm. so it's basically a showcase for one whole season of what we can acclaim, what we can do. You know, mm-hmm. John Calipari gets a lot of shit for it. You know, University of Kentucky. Um, actually, we had Jamel Hill on the podcast on points on the board, and she even said the same thing. You know, Tom Izzo and uh, Calipari come from the cloth of understanding that, you know, your time here is fleeting. Mm-hmm. What was up? Oh, my bad. <laughs> it's cool. This is, this is a clean cut, though. Mm-hmm. It's a clean cut. Let me say something. Shout out to Raul for giving me this. Can What's I just, can I, because he just pulled something up. Shout out to Raul. Why are you trying to make us better? I love you. What did he say? Uh, he, he, he's, he just sent and showed me a statement that says, basically March Madness is the NCAA's bread and butter. College athletics governing body will earn somewhere around $900 million in revenue from the tournament, representing about 90% of its annual revenue. March Madness. That's that is where we hit them where it hurts. No, here's how you hit them where it hurts. You, you Thank provide, you. you provide, Thank you, Raul. You provide those stats, but then go look at the coach's salary. Hmm. You provide those stats, but then go look at the coach's salaries. That shit is mad hypocritical. And more importantly, it's just like, wait. So you're taking my son, my baby boy, to go play for you, and you're getting literally generational wealth by literally coaching these dudes. It just looks bad. The optics are trash, man. And yeah. I guess I come from I guess I come from a cloth of like, look. What would I, like, my father, we talked about this before. Shout out to Harvey Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey A. Harvey. Shout out to him. Love it. You know, he, uh, you know, as, at times, because he, he speaks direct, he's like, what would happen if, you know, all the best players in the country went to one HBCU? That would be a culture shift. And I don't know if that's, uh, you know, that's the more drastic old man way approach of it, but mm-hmm. I do feel like we need to really re-inject and give incentives for someone coming to other schools that may or may not be able to compete. Mm-hmm. Like, if HBCUs or some of these other D1, these D D1 or D2 schools that don't compete decide to say, fuck the NCAA and decide we're going to go ahead and create our own league where we're paying players to come, mm. that will shift shit, mm-hmm. I promise you. Because, again, there we you know, go. what happens if my parents are not, or let's just say they're middle class, fuck that, you're trying to bring in 60 Gs just for you to hoop? Yeah. And you're an undergrad? Yeah. What? We invest? Mm-hmm. Everyone's good? Love it. I'll wear all the nail you. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's how we have to approach it. Like, let's empower. You yeah. Know? If you're really going to be a student athlete, we're going to pay you like a student mm. athlete. Yeah. Because you, know, you already got your job as being there for your folks, yeah. writing down, learning. But this right here is a profession. Because any other mm-hmm. sport or any other industry, mm-hmm. it is fucking slavery or, you know, chattel, whatever you want to call it. So Chattel. And this is why you're Kyle Harvey, because now I'm getting the solution a little bit more clearly. We need to invest in our own and, and, and make sure that, you know, we are responsible Think of it for this. them right getting now, the compensation. We're coming up on the 2019 will be the third season of the Big Three. Do you know what the Big Three League is? Isn't that the Balls? LeVar Ball? Is that not it? No, that's Big Baller brand. God dang it. Okay. (laughs) Jess wants to know, what is the Big Three? (laughs) Big Three is Ice Cube. Ice Cube zone. Oh, yes. Ice Cube. Yes. Right. So Ice Cube, you know, we need to really... I get them all confused. Lord, help me. At least I do know that the NBA is going to Africa. It's mad racist. What? get them all confused. No, I'm talking about get the leagues all confused. No one heard it that way. I, okay, I told y'all I had Rosé. I apologize for offending anybody. I Not them all confused, meaning the people, but, like, who started what? So, okay, let's go to the big three. So big, big three, three and specifically them. Cube and what he's done with the, the past three years has done literally been groundbreaking in the sense of, like, hitting certain accolades and certain um, demographics. One, big three organization. Um, oh, I forget her name. Um, she's a basically, oh, damn. I'll pivot. Mm-hmm. Lisa Leslie right now is a coach for an all-male team. She okay. is the second woman, not the first one, but Nancy Lieberman, actually. Nancy mm-hmm. Lieberman is the coach for um, it, uh, a big three team last season. She nice. was the first woman to coach an all-male team in a professional league. Good job. That's a record. After that, Lisa Leslie. So that makes her the first black woman to coach the first professional team in the league. Also, the big three league is also cannabis-friendly. Therefore, these athletes, when they have these sores and everything like that, they can spark or they can go get the type of medicine that's actually going to let them play. Not this pill shit that all these NFL players are on right now. They're actually taking care of their players. Not to mention, on top of it, they provided a viable opportunity for people that are, quote-unquote, past their prime. Mm. So, But they're still legends to, to their audiences. So you're going to see people like, I believe, Stack, you know, Steven Jackson, who played for a bunch of different teams. He was a part of the Malice of the Palace, but he also was a part of you know, Spurs, Golden State. OG, Triple OG in the basketball game. You know, he's still playing. He's like 38. You get someone like Kenyon Martin. You know, if you're a New Jersey Nets fan, you know about Kenyon Martin and what he's done. Mm-hmm. Played for the Denver Nuggets. But a little older. Yeah. But he still wants to compete. Right. Jamal Crawford. Other people, actually, excuse me, Jamal Crawford's still in the NBA. But people that have household names and are still respected for what they do can right. still go ahead and make monetary and also understand, like, where they could be because let's be clear just because you're an NBA doesn't mean you still can't profit or more importantly still be impactful into the game right. AI was in the big three for a little bit yeah. who's not going to pay to see AI go ahead and hoop a little bit of a, of a washed Ron Artest or someone whoever it may be yeah. it's a fucking I you know yeah. growing up near Philly or growing yeah. up literally outside of it yeah. you can't tell me shit about AI right. you know what I mean so I think Ice Cube's approach let's give another alternative just like the American yeah. Flag Football League we profiled them yeah. last year American Flag Football League was started by a crazy investor but you know you're taking like crazy athletes and I'm talking about like Nate Robinson you're taking Matt Barnes mind you I said Matt Barnes for a flag football league did you know Matt Barnes used to go ahead and was a wide receiver um, when he was in college no I didn't right so if he ain't got the NBA back he can literally just go catch the ball from Michael Johnson track dude um, detract dude Michael Johnson excuse me um, Fred Jackson, all pro, pro Bowl um, running back, but mm-hmm. he's not in the league anymore. Flag football shows more athleticism. Mm-hmm. And I guess my overarching point is, point is, 
there are so many different alternatives than what's considered the, you know, elite, the NFL, NBA, yeah. and um, MLB. You can find ways to go and still be competitive and still make money. Right. So why don't we take that approach or have that type of energy to be creative for these kids coming out? Yeah. You know, because entrepreneurship, and I, you know, I was telling Raul off the, before the podcast began, entrepreneurship right now has been, <clears throat> let's just say you take Jordan, you take LeBron, mm-hmm. two flips of the coin. Because you take the inroads that LeBron, excuse me, you take the inroads that Jordan and even Matt Johnson have made in the business end, but you take the social activism and the things that LeBron naturally embodies. Mm-hmm. So instead of being a, in a terms in baseball, there's a term called a five tool player. Five tool player is someone that can shoot, well, excuse me, someone that can throw, someone can hit for power, mm-hmm. someone can hit for average, as in they can hit the ball everywhere. Mm-hmm. They can go ahead and have a cannon for an arm, as in they can throw it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they can also have speed to steal the bases. Five tool player. Mm-hmm. There are no more five tool. It's great to be a five tool player on the field or on the court, mm-hmm. but you need to be a five tool player outside in your business. Mm-hmm. That's what LeBron has set the tempo for. Yeah. So now you got all these quote unquote woke dudes or dudes that are on an elevated level understand that the standard is me for not the dominating just in my sport but also in these other industries right. this generation right now is going to go ahead and, and this is my bold Harvey hot take of it all this generation when Brian gets out of the league he's going to blow up the NCAA mm. because he wasn't in it and he's seen what happens when people are in it mm. so love it well, that's going to be we're going to we're going to end right there with the takeaway because we are at our time. But I really do appreciate this conversation. I personally don't know much about sports, so I appreciate you educating me and giving me some passion about this topic because mm-hmm. um, it's been brewing for a while. And of course, I had to have you come on and talk. Yo, about man, it. listen, I'm surprised you didn't hit me with the music stuff. You hit me with the, you know, G over everything. You didn't hit me with the, no, you know, at times like yo. But hey, I'm here. I'm here, and you know, I'm we're doing a the sports thing. We're doing a sports thing today. Sports it's thing one of the many hats, you know. So I'm, yes. I'm proud to be an alumni. <laughs> of, uh, just wants to know. Hey, we'll have you back to talk music. Hey, hey listen, let me know. It's Black Music Month in June. So Hello. Let's go. Oh. Hey, y'all better. Okay, listen out for Kyle Hart <laughs> this June talking Black Music Month. Okay, um, Kyle, thank you so much for for coming out. I really appreciate you. Your insights were incredible, and you've definitely opened my mind and hopefully some of your minds to some of the alternatives, so that these young college athletes can actually profit off of the work that they're doing and 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 take off the chattels, the chains. Shackles, not be chattel, yeah, not let's, be let's, chattel. Let's just make our own Wakanda for sports, and we good out. We good over here. Wakanda forever. <laughs> All that. Dang, if I had a camera on, people could see that. Yo, I don't know if we could do the X anymore. The, the shit came out last year. It's kind of washed. We got to do something else. Um, I don't think it's washed. I like it. Well, until they get the new one. Yes. You know, because Killmonger is rising back from the dead. Yes, he is. And so what I yeah I, I did I did the Wakanda upside down on a um, zip line in Mexico. Oh, you wild for that. It was fun. I'm adventurous. <laughs> Check out my Instagram to see me trapezing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good times. All right. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate you. We in here, Aggie Pride. Yes. Bison Pride. HBC, you love all day, every Do day. Do y'all say Bison Pride? No, we don't. Oh, Jesus. Bison already. Bison already. <laughs> Jehovah. Jehovah. H-U. You know. That's what we say. <laughs> um, anyway, guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, rest of your day, uh, rest of your weekend. Um, until next time, I'm Jess, and you're listening to Just Wants to Know.